Would you turn to the 115th Psalm? I hope uh, every psalm that I'm trying to deal with is my favorite psalm, but this has always been one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 115. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen then say, where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them. So is every one that trusteth in them. O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children, you're blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth hath he given to the children of men. The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, how we desire through Christ, by your grace, by your spirit, to praise you. Lord, we ask in Christ's name that you would speak to our hearts in power from your word. And reveal the gospel of your grace to our hearts. We pray that we might be enabled to worship in spirit and truth. We pray that we might hear from hearts that you've prepared. Lord, we give thanks for all your blessings this coming year. Lord, we ask that. According to your will, you would hasten your return. 
We pray that you would give us the grace to walk with you by faith. Lord, we ask that you would give us the grace to never worry. We ask that you would forgive us of our sins. We ask that you would give us the grace to love you more and love one another more. Bless us for the Lord's sake. Be with all your people wherever they meet together. In Christ's name we pray. If someone wants to know what is meant by God being sovereign, I don't think there's a clearer statement than verse 3 in this psalm. This is the answer of the psalmist to the question, where's your God now? He's where he's always been. In the heavens... Doing exactly as he pleases. That's what's meant by the sovereignty of God. He does exactly all the time as he pleases. His will is always done. Everything that takes place on this planet, every event, he controls. That's what is meant by the sovereignty of God. That's who he is. Now let's look at this psalm together. Whoever wrote this psalm begins with this statement, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory, for thy mercy and for thy Truth's sake. Now let me say three things about this opening statement. Not unto us. Not unto us, but unto thy name give glory. Number one, he deserves the glory. Um, every aspect of our salvation is what he does. Uh, what did you have to do with your election? that God chose you before time began? What, what part did you play in that? What about your redemption? What about the fact that he redeemed you and put away your sin? What part did you have in that other than the sin? What part do you have in being justified before God or you stand before God without guilt? What part do you have in your regeneration? Did you do something in order to cause God to give you the new birth? What about your preservation? Can you pat yourself on the back because you've persevered up to this point? What about your glorification? Who gets the glory in that? Who gets the glory in the fact that you believe, that you repent? Who gets the glory in the fact that you love God, that you believe the gospel? Oh, he gets the glory in everything, doesn't he? Here's a second statement I'd like to make with regard to that. We love it that way because we love him. That's why we, not only is it just true, we love him getting all the glory. And here's the third reason, and I, and I say to my embarrassment, I guess, this is the main reason. I love those other two reasons, but this is the main reason I love this is because if he 
doesn't get the glory in everything, that means there's something I need to do to save myself. There's something I get the glory in. And if that's the case, I will not be saved, nor will you. We love him getting the glory in all things that, because that means he does everything. And that means salvation is not by works. It's by what he does, not unto us. Can you say that? Not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy. Salvation is by the mercy of God. It's not by merit. That's the truth. That's for the truth's sake. Then he says in verse 2, Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now their God? Where's your God now when this terrible thing's happening? Uh, I thought you uh, thought God was for you. Evidently, he's gone AWOL now. Where's your God now? I love the psalmist's reply. He's where he's always been. In the heavens. Ruling and reigning Doing as he pleases. You know, I didn't say that right. He's not doing as he pleases. Look what it says. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Not he's doing. He has done. Whatsoever he hath pleased. Only as he has pleased and always as he has pleased. Where's your God, David? Where isn't he? Can you go anywhere where he's not? I've even heard people say uh, the only place where God's presence is not there is hell. No. No. His wrath is there. You cannot go anywhere where he is not. Where's your God? (laughs) He's in the heavens doing as he has pleased. Now God has a will. He has a good pleasure. He has the power to do whatsoever he has pleased and he has always done exactly as he has pleased. That's true with regard to everything. Every event, every circumstance. And We trust his character. I don't understand what he's doing when I think of what's going on in Israel right now. That that just troubles me. I pray for him. But God is in control. And he's the first cause. Uh, Wars, uh, circumstances, difficult things. God rules. And I trust his character. How could God let that happen? I don't know. But he does, and whatever he does is good. Amen? Because he does it. That's what makes it good. He does it. And we rest in his character. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. You know, um, turn to Psalm 135. This says pretty much the same thing. Verse 5. For I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is is above all gods whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth, in the sea, in all deep places. You see, the reason these are all spoken of as things that have already been done is because God's eternal. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning. They're already done. 
You know, that's one of the reasons why worry is so completely unreasonable. How often do you worry? Fret. Stupid, isn't it? That's all you can call it. Uh, God rules. He reigns. He's the first cause of everything. He says, um, he declares the end from the beginning and the end from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand. I will do all my pleasure. What's there to worry about? Nothing. Verse 4 of Psalm 115. Their idols, anything that is not the God of verse 3, is nothing more than an idol. A figment of men's depraved imagination. An attempt to bring the name of God down to human level. It's an idol. Nothing more. Their idols are silver and gold. The work of men's hands. Now I love um, the description the psalmist gives of them, and uh, there's some sarcasm, humor. I don't know what you want to call it, but I like it. They have mouths, these man-made gods. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. Now, what kind of good will a God like that do for you? <laughs> he can't speak to you. He can't see you. He can't hear you. He can't smell the sweet savor of Christ. He can't embrace you. He can't come to you. He's no good. He's worthless. He can't do anything. Turn with me for a moment to Isaiah 45. Verse 20. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together. Isaiah 45, 20. Assemble yourselves and come, draw near together, ye that are escaped of the nations. They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image. Just what he's been speaking of in Isaiah, I mean in Psalm 115. And they pray unto a God that cannot save. <coughs> this God cannot save. The only God that can save is the God who has done all that he has pleased. Now, he can save. He can save. Any God short of this God cannot save. And they that pray to this God that cannot save, the scripture says, have no knowledge, no understanding. Now back to Psalm 115. Look what he now says in verse 8. They that make them, these man-made gods, these gods that are made in the likeness of men, 
they're like them. <laughs> Dead. Lifeless. So is everyone that trusteth in them. Would you trust in a God like this that can't see, that can't hear, that can't come to you? An idol? Verse 9. Oh, Israel. Israel is every one of God's people. Who are the Jews? Every believer. He is a Jew, which is not one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, circumcision that's in flesh. He's a Jew that's one inwardly, whose circumcision is that of the heart and of the spirit, not the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. That's the Jew. That's Israel. Oh, Israel. This is speaking of every believer. Every believer makes up Israel. Oh, Israel, trust thou in the Lord. Now, I like the way he says trust in the Lord. He doesn't just say trust the Lord. That's a good thing. Trust the Lord. That's what we ought to do. Trust the Lord. But I love the way he says trust in the Lord. All of my salvation is in him. All of God's acceptance of me is in him. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You see, my trust is in him. Outside of him, I don't have any confidence. Simply being found in him. You know, that's the greatest desire every believer has. I want to be found in Christ. So that all God sees when he sees me is Jesus Christ, his son. Trust in the Lord. O house of Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Now this is one of three times this is said. Uh, o house of Aaron, who represents the intercession of Christ, the priesthood. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Ye that fear the Lord. Doesn't that describe every believer? We fear, we respect, we reverence, we have all toward the Lord. We find confidence only in Christ. And the only way you prove and demonstrate true fear of the Lord is by looking to Christ. Anything else is disrespect. You look to him only as everything in your salvation. You that fear the Lord, trust the Lord. He is their help and their shield. And I, I love this word, he is their help. The Lord's my helper. You know, the Lord said, I've laid help on one that is mighty in the book of Isaiah. Oh, how he helped me when he stood as my surety before time again. How he helped me when he became flesh and kept the law for me. How he helped me when he went to the cross and put away my sin. How he helped me when he was raised from the dead for my justification. How he helped me when he ascended back to the Father with my name, with me in him. 
how he helps me even right now as he makes intercession for me. How he'll help me when he returns and I'm made just like him. The Lord is my helper. He is their help and their shield and everything that means, our protection. He took the blows for me on the cross. Look in verse 12. The Lord hath been mindful of us. Now, this is the most incredible thing to think of the Lord thinking about me. He who created the universe. He who holds the universe in his hand. Thinks about me. David said, when I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man? That thou art mindful of him. Believer, there's never a time when the Lord is not mindful of you. And remember who he is. Uh, he is the one who is absolutely sovereign, all-powerful. And you say, well, why would he be mindful of me? Because he is. I love that scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 7. The Lord loved you because he loved you. No other reason is needed. I don't see why the Lord loves me. Well, he does it because he does. It's not because of you. It's because of who he is. The Lord loves you. He's mindful of all of his people. He, he says, I know the thoughts that I have toward you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to bring to you an expected end. Lord already knows your end, and it's going to take place. He's been mindful of us. To think of the creator of the universe being mindful of me, remembering me. You know, when the thief said, Lord, remember me, Lord already did. Never a time when he didn't. The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. There's, no, there's nothing we can do to mess this up. He will bless because he has blessed. And if he has blessed, obviously he will bless. And these blessings that he's talking about, somebody says, well, those are, are those material blessings? Well, I'm sure it's included. Uh, blessings of health, I'm sure it's included. Blessings of sickness, that's a blessing from him too. Uh, everything's a blessing. Everything, without exception, is a blessing that comes from him. Every trial, every... It's all, it's all good. He will bless because he hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. Now, I think it's interesting that we get uh, this messed up. We think of the great as the important, the, the, the people who are visible, and then there's the small. What did the Lord say? The one that's great in the kingdom of heaven is the servant. I uh, don't uh, know what Martin Luther, I don't know if he knew anything, not Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Jr. In his sermon, um, I Had a Dream, or I can't remember what the name of it is, but he did make this statement that I've always liked. You don't have to be rich or famous 
or have great talent to be great. All you have to do is be a servant. That's what the Lord said. All you have to do. He that's least among you, he's that's the servant of all, shall be great in the kingdom of heaven. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. Now, that's the promise of every believer of growth and grace. You know, when I was talking about how he gets the glory in all things, if you grow, who gets the glory? You know it's him. It's him increasing you. And there is such a thing as growth in grace. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Isn't that encouraging? Grow in grace. He shall increase you. Lord, increase me in, in growth in grace. Cause me to grow in graciousness, in forgiveness, in humility. Cause me to grow. Uh, that's every believer's desire. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. You are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. This is the Lord that's blessed you, the creator. Don't you love just to think of his power that's involved in creation? I, you know, you just, oh, that's it, bow down. You know, he, he created the universe as an act of his will. He's the one. Who blesses you? Oh, his power to bless. Verse 16. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. His people. And one of these days, he's going to burn this place up and there's going to be a new heaven. And a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Verse 17, the dead praise not the Lord. Now that's not talking about the physically dead. That's talking about the dead in sins. The dead in sins can't praise the Lord. They don't know who he is. They see no beauty in his person. They see no glory in his person. They can't praise the Lord. It's impossible for them. Neither they that go down into silence, which is talking about physical death. They're not praising the Lord, but we, every believer, without exception, we will bless the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean we can confer blessing on him. You know that. But we ascribe blessedness to him. It's what Paul said when he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We will bless the Lord from this time forth by his grace and for eternity. Do you know that eternity will be spent in praising him? That's all you do. And you like it that way. And if you don't like it now, you won't like it then. I want to be enabled by the grace of God to praise the Lord for who he is and for what he's done. Praise the Lord. Amen.